one of his disciples, in that moment of, in his life, chose to follow at a distance. He was still following Jesus, but he was off the pace. I think it because of fear. Fear of the cost. Fear of full commitment. Fear of being disappointed. I don't know, only Simon Peter knew that. In actual fact, they were pe- those words were penned by Mark. Young Mark, we're told in church history, that this was actually the words of... That was, that was Simon Peter's own gospel, really, the gospel of Mark. It was his memoirs. And Peter must have been memorising, yeah. I, I've, there was a moment when I followed him at a distance. And I say to you, church, I say to you as individuals, don't follow Jesus. If you know Jesus, don't follow him at a distance. These are not the days for following Jesus at a distance. If you are, it's because of fear. I would say that it's because of fear, because you are as close to Jesus as you want to be in following after him. And I break the, in the name of Jesus any fear over people's lives mm. right now from stopping mm. these precious people following you very closely, Jesus. Mm. Yes. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Thank you, musicians. What a great set of songs they were. They were. I just love Easter. I'm just, I'm just gone with Easter. I just, it just grabs hold of me because it, it speaks deep into my soul like I'm sure it does to yours. We, we were singing Eternal Truth today. I'm going to stop unusually. Um, I need to say this. We were due to have a baptism today, and because of illness, Richard has said, we've postponed it, so I've had to rejig my talk, and I want to do that because I want to serve you well. I don't want to preach on yesterday's bread, as they say. Um, so I'm in uncharted territory a little bit, and that's not a bad thing. Psalm 139, David, psalmist, wrote this. And what a psalm this is. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it already. You hem me in, behind and before, and lay your hand upon me. And he said, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. This wasn't a fearful thing for for David. It's a wonderful thing that God knows it all. And he carries on. It is too high. I cannot attain to it. Or another translation, I cannot understand it. Then Then he exclaims, where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? Have you ever tried running away from God? (laughs) Have you ever tried running away from God? He's pretty quick at running, isn't he? Because you get to where you're going and he's already there. And it's what David found. He said, where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, that's a, um, a word really for the furthest place away from God. 
you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. And if I say to the darkness, oh, don't speak to the darkness, but if I should say to the darkness, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light, and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as day, for darkness is as light with you. For you formed me in my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb, and I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance, and in your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was no, where was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I were to count them, they are more than the sand I awake, and I am still with you. What a fabulous psalm that is. And I think it is related to what I want to say. That's why I read it this morning. Because in the Easter story, it's a story of human beings um, trying to understand and comprehend what they saw in Jesus' um, death. And they'd lived with him for three years, his disciples. They had great hopes and expectations. And here they, on that fateful day, they saw their hopes nailed to the cross. And trying to compute that, well, they wouldn't have used it at that time. They didn't know what it was, but they were trying to assimilate, work it out, what it all meant for them. And there was such disillusionment in their hearts and such confusion that, uh, that we see it, 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 it sort of shines through the gospel narrative when we read the individual's reactions to it. So I think that psalm is really relevant because they were, they were discovering what the psalmist had discovered was how can I, where can I flee from your presence? You're there. You're there. You're there because you're precious. I'm precious to you. Well, what a week, few weeks we've had with the church. Um, I need to say to you, I went to the loo the other night, and what am I going to speak about? And in the middle of the night, um, I, just a phrase came, speak about three gardens. That was it. I went back to sleep, and that was fine. So, okay, well, speak about three gardens. And uh, I'm trying to tie it in with the riverside, or the new development that we have, um, because it's a wonderful complex, the potential is fantastic, but, the, but it's, it's so much greenery. Don't you like that? I like the fact that it's not just a, a building, but there's a place where we can breathe and enjoy God's creation with trees, a um, wooded area, a, a, a field. It's just beautiful. And I love God's creation, don't you? It is, I, saw a, I saw a fire crest there. Any of you bird spotters know what a fire... I've not seen a fire crest in years. It's almost as if, that, if that's been kept for us. For six years it's been not used, but the animals and the birds have found about it. And it's, it's a beautiful, it's like a wonderful garden. And uh, it's been a joy getting to, Rob, to know Robin and Carol's skit. I'm going to um, steal your thunder. Carol, wherever you are. Wave, where are you? Where are you? Carol said... Oh, God, she said, this, is, this is paraphrased. She said, oh, God, I'd love to get involved with the rivers. I'd love to do something, but I can't do much because of my, the disability I have. Show me what I can do. 
and it's about right, isn't it, Carol? Um, and um, you th a thought came to your mind, I'll do a prayer garden. I could do a prayer garden with their contacts in the, uh, is it a horticultural industry, whatever it is, a biz of, of all that stuff. Um, they've got this vision for a prayer garden. So this last week, I've been kept bumping them into them in town, in various garden centres, and that they've been going round, Robin and Carol, to ask garden centres, would you like to contribute flowers and plants? We're having a prayer garden for our new centre. And uh, I understand um, you've just had an outstanding response. We could have the biggest garden in town with the amount of... <laughs> because what I find is that where people touch a vision, people give in to vision. Honestly, they do. We've seen extraordinary things this week happening behind the scenes. We can't tell you the stories. It's too much. But as people start touching that, they come into vision. They say, oh, I want to be a part of this. I want to be a part of it. And so it's a joy to know we're going to have a prayer garden in amongst all the other beautiful, the bigger garden that we've got. God's given us a garden. God has given us a garden. And right in the middle of it, there's going to be a place where people can chill out and find God and just talk with Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? Now, that's not your idea, Carol. It's, it's the Holy Spirit's idea, because he told it to you. So there must be a reason why he's told it to you, and we're going to be blessed if we follow Jesus. And that's the secret of the kingdom coming and advancing, is we listen to what God says and do it, even though it might be a bit peculiar at times. And I think that prayer garden is going to open up so many hearts and lives to know God that we'll be astounded, all because you asked a question, God, what can I do? We've got to be a people, church, if we're going to see the expansion of the kingdom in a way that I believe it's going to happen, we've got to hear God and do what he says. Yeah. Hear God and do what he says. That's what Mary said to Jesus, uh, to, not to Jesus, she said it to the, um, the, the, the folks organising that wedding and they ran out of plonk, hadn't they? And, and, they, and they said, whatever Jesus says, you should do it. An extraordinary abundance, all because she gave him some good advice. Listen to Jesus. If we all listen to Jesus, bang, there'd be a kingdom expansion right across this town. Yeah. Hallelujah. And so, three gardens. That's what I'm going to speak about. I think I never, I, cross, three crosses. Yes, I could do that at least, but three gardens, that's a new one. Well, I'm going to go for it. <laughs> the first garden was the Garden of Eden. You know, I'm not going to speak about Easter bunnies, chocolate eggs, or anything else. I'm going to speak about God and the big story this morning. Is that, is that, is that enough yes. for you? Thank you. You can have your lindles later. <laughs> but we see in Genesis chapter 2 that God, having created man and woman, as the crown of his creation. Okay. You are the crown. I mean, just look, look at the people next to you. Please, just look at the people next to you. Thank you. Just look at them. They, according to God, they are the crown of God's creation. It is true. You are wonderfully and uniquely made. That's what the psalmist said. There's nobody else like you. Actually, no, there might be somebody like you. But there's nobody exactly the same as you. You did. You can stick. Can you stick your tongue out at somebody? Stick your tongue out at the person. Go on. Stick. You have permission. Right. Go on. You can stick. You can do it. A, we're, we're free in this church. Okay. 
Did you know that your tongue has a unique tongue print that is unique to you? You have a unique tongue print, see? You, got, you didn't know you got, you got unique fingerprints, but you've got a unique <laughs> tongue print because God has stamped a uniqueness upon you and I that we need to celebrate in. Okay? The variety in creation is beautiful, but you are the, you are the crown of God's creation. So you can have your hair do, done differently every week. If you can afford it. And if you can't, have a crew cut. So, God created everything. And we need to keep declaring that where the enemy would seek to rob what God did in Genesis 1 to 2 through, yeah, but God didn't create it. It happened. It just seemed to happen. And God created man and woman. No, you know, there's many varieties, there's many, many variations now. No, God created man and woman. This is a big story. And God says, go and multiply. Now say, no, no, you can just abort like that. It's just, animals are more important than the unborn baby. Come on. We are the crown of God's creation. Don't let the enemy rob what God created. Because when he said, when God created, God said, it was good. It's good. Do you know when he created you, he said, this is very good. You can soar higher than the eagles because you are more magnificent in your potential than any other creature on earth. God has given you conscience. God has given you such a status as human being. And so we find in Genesis chapter 2, in verse 15, it said, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. Well, there's a thought. God had a garden prepared for Adam and Eve and he put them in the garden. He said, now you've got to work it and you've got to keep it because there's multiplication destined upon you if you will do that. Because before that, God said, go forth and multiply it's actually before, after that. He said, go forth and multiply, take dominion. The garden was in t- important because God was working something in them, intending the garden, that he would ultimately work out through them into the world. There were things they were going to have to learn in the garden in order to multiply beyond the garden. It's called obedience. God's, God, you see, God is a good God. And this is where Satan would seek to distort the image of God by saying, God's, not, God's a spoil sport. <laughs> God is such a spoil sport because he's, he's nasty, he's nasty. <laughs> no, God's a good God. And God gave me, said, he said to them, you can have everything you want. You can eat of anything, absolutely anything. I've given you all this to enjoy. But just don't eat from that one tree of knowledge of the good, uh, the tree of knowledge of, and of good and evil. That's prohibited from you. And there was a snake in the garden. And he whispered. It, 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 this, this represents Satan. He comes along and whispers. He begins to say, did, 
did God say? If you ate this, the day you tasted of this, you will die. Did God say? Oh, come on. Why would God do that? Surely, you, if he's given you that, he's such a sportsman. Why can't, why can't you taste of that one as well? Because in that day, you, you, you're, you're destined for greatness. What? You're bigger than this. And you see, God, God puts boundaries around us, doesn't he? Yeah. For our benefit. Yeah. The law of the law is good. God's ways are good. I have, I have had to... I've nearly moved to tears this week by an acquaintance who... You won't know him. He spoke with me and he, he just poured his heart out because of a, an incident with, in his family where his own child didn't keep God's ways. Um, and because of that, the whole family life has now changed because there's a, a baby on the way, unexpectedly. And the look of, oh my word, what are we going to do now? See, God's ways are good. Don't taste of that. There's boundaries. God's, God's boundaries are there for our, our blessing, yeah. not our inhibiting us. Okay? God's, God's a good God. He is such a good God. He's a good, good Father. And so with us at, at the Riverside, we have been given, I do really believe, in my heart of hearts, absolutely, God has given us this. It's a good gift. Well, there's a bit of mould there. Well, that's okay. That's not quite right yet. Yeah, but I'm calling you to tend for it and look after it. What do we expect? Do you expect something to come down from heaven, float down like the holy city, and it all spanky danky doo da new, and we don't have to do a thing? No. God's going to work something in us, through us, tending and caring for it, and developing it because he's, he's, a good give, he's a good giver. We're on a journey, as Adam and Eve should have been on a journey, to low and walk in, obe- walk in obedience and commitment and purpose to what God was giving them to do. And instead of aligning with the purposes of God, Adam and Eve aligned with their own personal pleasures. Well, that doesn't fit. I'll have some of this. I don't want that. I'll have some of this. And they forgot their calling, their royal destiny, who they were and what they were as an embryonic people. They got sidelined by listening to, oh, did God really say? I just want to say, church, well done. You've been magnificent in serving, getting it cleared, all the grounds cleared, being cleared. It's going to be a fantastic sight for us. It's going to be absolutely fantastic. But let us understand. God is giving to us to tend to us. And we can do so much more together than we can do on our own. St. Francis decides, quote, there is nothing small in the service 
of God. Nothing small in the service of God. I just love the fact that Margaret, I'm just going to embarrass a few people, Margaret and Barbara said, what can we do? And they were there, tea and coffee, for the workers and the guests to look around for the last two Saturday mornings. They were there half eight, 29, ready. It takes everybody, because God's calling us all, to get involved in this. And check your attitude. Check your attitude here. Are you expecting somebody else to do it until it's all right? Then, yeah, great, we'd really like this. We're all committed or not. And if you're not, you won't be blessed in that because you'll miss out on the blessing of God. You really will. We prayed for two years, 24 hours of prayer for two years every other month for if God will give us a building. He's given us more than his building. He's given us a building and a garden and a, and a field and a wood for kids. It's a, it's a wonderful, wonderful gift in order that through it and from it, the kingdom of God will be expend, extended. Hallelujah. And so Adam and Eve, they missed it. It was one almighty naughty step, wasn't it? <laughs> they, I, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I could get, get myself into trouble here. But they weren't put on a naughty step. You see, God wasn't a vengeful God. But God is a pure God. God's a holy God. He's Somebody said to Charles Spurgeon once, how could a loving God allow anybody to go to hell? That's a big question, isn't it? And Spurgeon, I think, replied, how could a holy God allow anybody to go to heaven? You see, because we've overemphasized such a, such a God, such a nice, loving God at the expense of under, misunderstanding that God's loving and pure, loving and holy. That's God. He's not got a split personality. Perfect love equals perfect purity. And he wants us to know that and enjoy it because he's been, we've been created to be like him. And so Adam and Eve, they, 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 they forfeited paradise because they just pursued pleasure and not purpose. But what I love about God, he never gives up. And he had a plan, even before the beginning, to reach out and to restore and redeem. And all through the Old Testament, it's just working forward to that point where that moment came in John 3.16. We all know it, we love it, that verse. For God sent his son. And God really did send his son, Jesus, into the world. So whoever believes in him, now you may not be a Christian here now, I don't know everybody here, but if you, may, if you don't know Jesus yet, you don't know God, the Father would say to you, I sent, even though you don't know me, I sent my only beloved son into the world for you, that he would take your 
your failure, your sin, and he will carry it on the cross so that you don't, you don't bear my holy, righteous judgment upon sin. That's the extent that God <coughs> loves you. He's a good God. It's not God's will that any man should perish. So God sent his only beloved son, the perfect for the imperfect. And as many of you know, the story that Jesus, he lived that perfect life in an imperfect world. His friends betrayed him. And, uh, we move to a second garden cameo. Now we're in the garden of Gethsemane. The night that he was betrayed, he goes, um, I've not been to Jeru um, Jerusalem, I've only seen it on the flicks and in, in pictures, but on, I understand there's the Mount of Olives, Mountain of Olives, where they made o olives, um, grew olives. There's, there's this garden that's still there, and there's still the olive trees there from Jesus' time. That they, they're that old, 2,000 years old. And the Mount of Olives, a, there was a garden there called Gethsemane. And... Uh, and Gethsemane means the place of pressing, the place of squeezing. And it was there that Jesus chose to go and pray. And he took his three close friends with him because he knew he was entering into a battle. And, and, and Jesus modeled that well, is that he, he, he shared with some close friends, I'm going to go through this, I need your help in prayer. And if you're going through stuff, don't go through it on your own. Get a few good, trusted friends to pray with you. But in that moment, man, this, this, is where, this is what this is about. Because Jesus didn't want to taste the wrath of God, the wrath of the Father on him. He didn't want to go through with it. He loved you, but he didn't want to taste the sin of the world. He didn't want to taste the wrath of God. He said, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass by me. Let it pass by me, because I don't want to taste this. I do everything else, but not this. Father, no. But he said, Father, not my will, but your will be done. And Adam had said to God, not your will, but my will be done. Here we have Jesus, your saviour and my saviour, saying, Father, not my will, your will be done. Because he knew that he needed to taste it for the Father's love to be fully expressed and redeemable for you and I. You see, people say that Jesus' blood was shed at Calvary. <laughs> That's true. But it's not the full story. Jesus' blood was also shed in that garden when he sweat and he dripped great drops of blood. Now you think, That's a bit full. That's a bit heavy. How could that be? Some of you midwives will know that that can happen in childbirth. 
the little blood vessels can... So when a woman's giving birth, it can be so agonising. It can be. I don't want to put you off if you've not had kids yet. It's great, <laughs> yeah? It, it, <laughs> okay, it happened to my wife with our birth of our daughter, Rachel. I'm watching Sue, and I'm waiting there like a, a scrum, what do you call it, waiting to catch it, you know? And uh, like a rugby player. And, um, uh, it's really hard for me, but I managed to get through it. <laughs> <laughs> but Sue's face, was the pain of giving childbirth, she came out, is it all the little, was it? Blood vessels. Blood vessels. All over her body, she began to, the blood in the blood vessels, all over her face, all spots coming out, just giving birth. That's just one. But Jesus was wrestling to give birth to a whole new generation of children of God. Do understand what Easter is about today. Do understand it. That without Christ's death on the cross and willing to him to take that cup and drink it, you and I would not have a hope. You would, and we would not have a hope. Our sin will separate us from God, but praise be to God, Jesus has done it because God didn't want us to be destined for an eternity without him. He's made provision for you and I for all the filth and the mistakes and the hurt and the pain. Wash it away. So when he died on the cross, he said, it's finished, it's finished. That this is a mystery, and forgive us if you're not a Christian, but we, this is a mystery for us still. Jesus became sin on the cross. And I'm not even going to name the sins of this world, but Jesus became sin on the cross that the righteousness of God may be fulfilled. You have an incredible Father who loves you. And you have an incredible Saviour who died for you. It's astounding. And the disciples, he comes to them and he said, watch and pray. No, he didn't slap him on the face. I would have, if I'd have been Jesus. I would have, come on, what are you doing? I'm struggling here and you're just falling asleep. He said, watch and pray. Do not be led into temptation for, for your spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak. And I think that is something that serves us well when we're going through big challenges where you can be tempted to bottle it let the battle be won in prayer. The battle for the cross was won at Gethsemane. Yeah. It was a game before the game, if you've seen the, 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 the advert about those, um, what they're called, um, the earphones. I'm, no, I'm, I've lost all of you now. <laughs> what, headphones. There's another, another, what? I don't know. Beats, yeah. Great advert. You, you, if you want an interesting advert to watch, Google the game before the game. And watch, watch that it's superb. Five minute long advert about the beats, those earphones. But it's just, I heard somebody preach about this. That it's almost like an illustration of Jesus in Gethsemane. The game before the game. But it wasn't a game. It was a fight to the death 
for the life that you and I may come to God in forgiveness and have it wiped away. Wiped away. If you're not happy now, you're not grateful for that now, when you see him in heaven, boy, will you be grateful. You really will. You'll be whooping and a-hollering and hollering a-whooping because you'll just then have the full revelation what Easter is really about. Then there's a third garden. The garden tomb. We fast forward now and... uh, Jesus had died and buried and those wonderful ladies had the men had scarpered typical men and, and, and the, the women were just pouring their devotion out um, to this broken body and wrapped it in spices and put it in the tomb Joseph of Arimathea, a rich man gave his uh, some plot of land for Jesus to be have some dignity in death And Mary Magdalene, who had church history reputes it that, that she had um, been a, been abused by men in the past, her previous life, but now she had met Jesus in his earthly life, and he transformed her by his love and grace. Yeah. Of course, she'd be a woman to sit down with and talk with in heaven, wouldn't yeah. she? What was it like, Mary? But his grace and purity, and his love and gentleness and his strength had won Mary to have confidence again in manhood. Nothing sexual going on. But she followed the Prince of Life. And in his death, she must have been heartbroken because all her dreams were smashed. You know, uh, disillusionment it's a lonely place to be in. And despair. And you can be disillusioned and still loyal. And Mary was at that garden on Easter morn. We know the end, we know the story, so we can, oh yeah, I know what's going to happen now. But she didn't know. And she was just looking, looking for what do I do? Jesus, you said you rise again, but. Where are you? And I, you, you just you want to be near where I wanted to be near where you were, and that's you'll find that when dear loved ones die, you want to go back to where they were, that that just to touch that thing. You can't get rid of the clothes. You just it's a process of mourning. She just wanted to be there, as close as you could to that memory. And and there's a voice. <laughs> As a voice, she, she, uh, she sees this man, she thinks he's the gardener. And uh, he just says, Mary, that's all it takes. It's all it takes. It's all it takes to turn her morning into joy. It was enough for her to know that he had called her name. I have heard God speak to me audibly once. Do you know what he said? Only once. Graham. I was cycling through Holland on an inter-church ministry trip and I heard the voice of the Father just say, my name. Never happened before, 
never happen again. But do you know, in that moment, <coughs> it's all he needed to say. Now, you don't need to hear the audible voice of God. I, it was just before I was going through an incredibly difficult time. It was about to hit me. I didn't know. But that was enough to carry me through. Mary heard the voice of Jesus call her name. And I was, even, I'm, I'm preparing for this talk this, even this morning, and when we got to the pre-meeting, prayer meeting, I just felt the Holy Spirit just impress upon me. There is a danger of staying in the place of mourning when he's risen, when it's time to move on. It is a thing to grieve for loved ones. You, you don't get over grieving, you go through it. But with Jesus, as a, you, it's possible to get stuck in the grief process. And it doesn't become a, a process, it becomes a prison, the grief prison. And I, I believe the Holy Spirit is really saying, today he wants to break you free. It may, not be, it may only be for one person. But if this whole meeting is just for one person to hear this, for you to get going again and following Jesus, it will be worth it. But don't let your pain and grief become your prison because God has a work for you to do. And he's calling your name. The garden, the garden tomb is not your destiny. Do not live there. Why do you seek the living amongst the dead? Everybody is needed for what God's calling us to be. And it's important that you now let go of that and to embrace the living Lord. Am I making sense? Am I getting so poetical? You know, I, I, please help me. I might be going off on one. I'm, I'm, I'm out on a limb here. But if you, uh, you know, yeah, that's me. I've got stuck in grieving. I just can't get through it. Well, put your hand up there. This is family. I want to pray for you. Has anybody got stuck in grieving? They, they know, you just can't see, find God in it all. One person. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anybody else? I had this picture of a starter motor. It might be a man. Not the starter motor's a man, but it might be. You see, we often think it's just... You know, the men don't do the grave. Men grieve, just that they do, we do it in different ways. But the starter... Do you remember the old days where a starter motor would get stuck and you either have to put it in first gear and rock it or hit it with a hammer? Some of you are just looking at me. Look, I had a Vauxhall Viva. I know what it was like. But it's possible to get stuck in your grieving process. You can't get out of it. And you bang, you need right now. This is what this is about to actually break through and get going again. Because the devil would like nothing more than to get you stuck in a, a grief that you can't get through, then it leads to depression and despair. Echoes of the first garden of Eden. We do not have to stay grieving when Jesus is about. Because he can be old. I can make all things new.
church. We have got a wonderful God. We have got a wonderful God who's, who's, uh, I'm going to use a word, it's not theological, crafted for us the most fantastic salvation whereby no matter what hits us, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us because Jesus has raised from the dead and the power of the resurrection is so powerful. When Jesus was raised from the dead, even tombs in Jerusalem burst open and the, 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 the eyewitness accounts that some of, the, um, some of the saints in that time were seen walking around Jerusalem. you imagine? What's happening to me? Because of the power of the resurrection. There is nothing that you or I face that God's power cannot change and transform for his glory. Honestly, there isn't. This is what we've been singing about. There's nothing too difficult for God. No emotional trauma you've been through. No relationship trauma you've been through. No health trauma. God is enough. Because he's risen from the dead. This is the Easter message. And at this moment in time, I want to kick furry rabbits into touch. <laughs> Church, we have got a destiny to fulfill as those early disciples had a destiny to fulfill. If Jesus changed it with 12, the world were told, how much could he do with the people who are filled with the Holy Spirit? Amen. Amen. I'm going to give you a treat now. We're going to sing you a song. Okay, you got your guitar around oh, your head? Yeah, I'm going to sing it. Yeah, why I'm not? No, I'm not going to sing it. Just, <laughs> just, just enjoy this story. The heavy stuff's finished now, okay. I just want you to just be blessed by this song. It's a song by Dan Franz, Don Francisco. It's not, it's another one. Okay. <laughs> I've never been able to tame her all this married life. <laughs> this is Mary's song. This Graham's been sharing about Mary in the garden. It was early in the morning when I came down to the tomb and I was so dismayed to see the stone had been taken. So I ran to John and Peter and told them Jesus' body was gone. They both ran on ahead of me and looked into the tomb and afterwards ran back to their own homes. But I stood outside weeping and then I looked inside and saw two angels sitting alone. Woman, why are you crying? Was all that they could ask. They've taken my Lord's body, I replied. Turn. 
turned back round and saw a man standing next to me. A gardener, I suppose that he must be. Woman, why are you crying? Who do you look for? Oh, sir, please tell me where he must be. And then he looked into my eyes and he said, Mary. He looked into my eyes and said, My name. Jesus is risen.
if we can finish in the way that we began by just offering him a round of applause yes yes So let us go in that knowledge that he is risen and he is bigger than any need you may have and he is indeed the answer. Let's be, be blessed. Let's go and be a blessing. I believe that there are um, hot cross buns available, so don't rush off. Uh, coffee and tea, etc. available. Please stay and enjoy some fellowship.